Welcome to the Pasho Perspective, a place where I share my perspective on everything in the space between life and death. I'm your host, Pasho Summer Sessions. Today we're going to do a little testimony time, and we're going to talk about the first time my wife and I went out on a date. Now, this is going to be in defense of online dating, uh, which is not the typical mode in which I dated people. And to be forthright, I've dated quite a few, um, probably over a 100. Uh, again, I'm not trying to boast or anything like that. I'm actually not proud of that at all, but that'll be a different podcast for another time. But this one is going to be about the first time I met my wife and a little bit about how we met. So um, after a very long uh, dating career, I guess you could probably call it, since I was, I think, 13 all the way until I was 31, uh, about to be 32 when I met my wife, uh, I had, you know, played the field. I dated girls in high school, girls in college, uh, girls that I worked with, girls that I met at work, uh, random hookups at bars and things like that. And, you know, I don't want to get too deep into that because it really, you know, again, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, boast about it or anything. Um, but it, it is what it is. And so I figured since the modes of dating that I had chosen were not working, you know, hanging out at the alehouse uh, seven days a week at the bar, you know, waiting for true love. Not really uh, the most effective strategy. Not to say that it doesn't work, because I do know a couple of people who met uh, at that uh, place, but, and, well, I mean, they're not together anymore, but that's besides the point. So anyway, um, I figure I'm going to give eHarmony a chance. And I had already been on Match and had lots of dates on Match, uh, some of which I will share those stories with you too, because some of them are pretty funny. Um, but, uh, you know, I figured Match really, it was just a hookup place. And I, you know, I, I'd done it, you know, I, I did that since I was 13 and I was kind of over it. You know, I, I wanted the real thing. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate, you know, and privileged in that my mother and father are still together and have a loving relationship. And so that was my model. That was my ideal, as Jordan Peterson would say, that was my goal, actually. Um, and so I figure, you know, if this isn't working, you know, my going out and just meeting random people, then maybe putting myself out there, articulating what exactly I want might be more successful. And so that's what I did. I went on to eHarmony and I subscribed, I think, for three months. And uh, I went on, you know, a, a few dates. I think uh, in three months, I maybe dated three or four people uh, for random amounts of time, some a week, another one, maybe a, a month or so. Um, and, you know, it didn't really work out, but it was definitely more substantial than in Match. You know, Match, I really just felt like if you called me the next day, it was kind of a, like a recommendation to your friends or like a like or something. Um, but in, in eHarmony, you know, I felt that, you know, these people were, these women were trying to, uh, you know, trying to establish something, although it really felt that they were there because they knew what they wanted, but they didn't really want it at that time. But again... You know, that's just my uh, hypothesis. I don't really know. I can't mind read. Uh, but needless to say, they didn't work out. And man, I was so frustrated. I, I can't even tell you, you know, like, what does that mean? You know, like I tell my students, you know, sometimes God tests you, you know, because you're not ready yet. And, you know, for me, having to date 100 women, I, I joke with them and say, I mean, what does that mean about me? Like, you know, 
thanks Lord for eventually chiseling me down and getting here, but really I needed to date a hundred people to, to fix, you know, what was wrong to prepare me for my wife. I mean, I don't know, that seems a little excessive, but anyway, you know, that's who I am. That's where I had to go and correct and change and, you know, everything else for the happy ending that eventually I'm going to get to. But, um, it was my last week and, uh, you know, not to say that I am, you know, I'm certainly not perfect by any means, but I had the audacity, you know, in my youth, a very young 30, to uh, offer up an ultimatum to our Lord and Savior. And, you know, I know it's not the right thing to do, and I know it probably has absolutely no sway in the decision of what he was going to do for me, but it does seem kind of timely that when I offered up this ultimatum, which I will tell you what it is, I then get paired up with my wife. And so the ultimatum that I offered up to my father was, Lord, if you want me to be a father and to have all these dreams that you have put in my heart and in my mind for so long, then you're going to help me find the person that I'm going to be with, you know? And, and I think maybe there it's, it's because I let go, you know, I, I gave him control instead of myself trying to decide this is who I love and this is when I love. And even if it's a square, I'm going to jam it into this triangle hole. You know, I, I finally just kind of let go and I said, all right, God, you take the wheel uh, but then the ultimatum was, if you don't lead me to the person who I'm supposed to then dedicate my life to and start a family, I'm going to continue living a debauched life. And, you know, I, I had a hundred and I saw myself like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going, you know, maybe eight, nine hundred more until the end of my life where I would, you know, I envision myself living, you know, alone, but, you know, visited often by the female persuasion and, it being shallow and I having to then acquiesce to being a shallow man. And I mean, it wasn't the ideal. It certainly wasn't what I wanted, never dreamed of having that kind of lifestyle, but I was resigned to, to live it. You know, I was good at it. You know, my friends used to call me a Rico Suave back in the day. I used to have, you know, the wizard, the magic man, you know, I mean, other nicknames and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, getting off topic. So, you know, that's what I did. It was it was my Hail Mary, uh, the last week of eHarmony for me after a three-month subscription. And going then into another point of view, my wife had been with somebody for, uh, I think, seven years, something like that. It was a really serious relationship from high school, then through college, uh, which was kind of a good thing because it helped her, you know, get through it and pay it off and everything. And you know, kind of keep her a little preserved for me. Uh, but anyway, uh, without having to share too much of her, because the podcast is about me and I don't want to put her out there, but she had been in this serious relationship. The guy from all accounts, not just her own, but from neighbors and friends and stuff was not good for her. All right. And let's just put it that way. And let me just tell you that that's a very mild way of putting it. But, you know, I don't want to be petty and, you know, I have no hard feelings. I mean, it, what happened had to happen so that I could meet her. And so, like I said, thank goodness, you know, that he was there to, you know, help her, you know, achieve all of her goals and stuff. At least in that regards, he was pretty cool. So uh, she uh, had ended that relationship and she wanted to date, you know, I mean, as I mentioned, she had gone out with him and moved in with him after high school and never really dated around. You know, she was a good country girl and, um, you know, didn't really have a lot of promiscuous relationships. Um, and so she wanted to not necessarily play the field, but she figured it was going to take time to uh, get to know, you know, what you want. 
And so she had these goals, right? That are not goals. I mean, I guess she had this ambition that it was going to take her at least a year. And so she subscribed for an entire year on eHarmony. And the irony that I love is I was the, the first date that she went on. And I mean, obviously, you know how the rest went. You know, we got three children now, married for 10 years, known each other for a dozen. And so anyway, so, you know, she had the long run idea and she had already set up when we went out, she set up three dates uh, with like a lawyer or doctor and something else. And, you know, and here's me, you know, your, your high school teacher. Uh, so anyway, and she was very, you know, honest about that on the, on the first day, you know, that just to let you know, I, I got these other things set up. So, you know, not to put any pressure, but, you know, she thought it would be fair. And, and I loved that honesty right from the beginning uh, from her. So anyway, um, <laughs> so we eventually, you know, got to know each other. Uh, you know, I was very forthright on my eHarmony profile. I pretty much said, I expect, I want everything, uh, all your time, all your energy, all your love, all of that. And, but I did say that, you know, I am going to give you the same and I'm pretty sure it pushed a lot of people away. I got a lot of views, not to say that I'm handsome or anything, but I got a lot of views and I got very little, uh, you know, emails from people. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, interesting, but whoa, this guy is like way over the edge. And, and maybe I was, you know, but again, a hundred people, I'm really tired of the game. I'm in my thirties, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, biological clock is ticking, boom, 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 right? Um, like my cousin Vinny. So we decided to go out uh, and meet each other at a restaurant. And so we went to a sushi restaurant. And uh, it's kind of funny the, how everything works out. You know, at the time I was um, not living with my parents. I had my own place, but I would eat with them almost every night. So I didn't have to cook myself. My mother is an amazing chef. And so I, I love to eat at their house and, you know, and have their company and conversation. And, you know, I kind of mentioned to them that I got this date, you know, I'm going to be going out later. We were having lunch and, uh, you know, I said, we're going to go and, you know, and I didn't tell them where I was going. You know, I was just saying that we were going on a date and that, you know, I really had hopes for this one. You know, I really thought this was going to work out. And so we went to the sushi place that uh, unfortunately is no longer open. They uh, demolished the building. But anyway, it was an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I mean, we she went up for one plate. I went up for one plate. You know, all you can eat. And that's all we got. And didn't even finish the food, really. It was just so, such good conversation, man. She started talking about God. She started talking about her family. She started talking about how she helps her family. She started talking about how she worked for, uh, or not worked for, but volunteered for Horses for the Handicap and all the different things she did there. I mean, I just, I instantly fell in love with her. Uh, of course, I didn't tell her that. Um, and she knows that now, but I mean, I really did, you know, I was so done with superficial beauty. It was so refreshing to find somebody who was so beautiful on the inside to match the outside. And so, man, I felt so blessed. And, and so to make the story even more interesting, my parents came into that restaurant with their friends. They were going out to have dinner too. And they decided to go to the all you can eat sushi place. And oh my gosh, it was so random because again, I didn't tell them that I was going to be there and they certainly wouldn't have gone if they knew that I was there to give me some privacy, but alas, there they were. And the way they set it up was my mother and father were at the seats that were looking at our table and their friends had their backs to us. And of course, their friends came up to the table to say hello. My parents, uh, you know, gave me the privacy and respect and just kind of went to the table. But, you know, I did tell her that they were my parents and, you know, 
even my father, you know, the next day made a comment about how he loved the way that she was looking at me, you know, like she was really into me. It wasn't just, uh, you know, well, we're here and we're having a good time. You know, it was a really eating up everything. Like I was eating up everything that she was putting out. And, you know, so he felt really confident too that things were going to go far. But here is the Saki story, right? The title of this podcast is after all the Saki story. So let's get into it. Um, as I had mentioned, because of my previous exploits, I wanted to be sure that this was going to be the one, you know, and I had worn a mask for so long in my life, man, wanting to fit in. I mean, the burden of youth, you know, it takes a long time for you to realize that, honestly, the only opinion that matters is you of yourself. And who cares what other people say? You know, you have to be true to yourself if you really want to be happy, because otherwise you're just pretending you're, you're playing a role and it's not authentic and it's not you and it's never going to feel authentic and it's never going to feel real in you until you actually reveal who you are and, and you have that vulnerability. And so I was tired of playing the game. I mean, I had, I used to smoke cigarettes. I stopped smoking cigarettes for ex-girlfriends. I stopped using profanity for some ex-girlfriends. I stopped even trying to be funny or sarcastic for ex-girlfriends. I stopped doing other things for ex-girlfriends. I stopped drinking for ex-girlfriends. I mean, I stopped hanging out with friends for ex-girlfriends, right? I mean, I tried to be really holy. I tried to be a bad boy. You know, I tried to be a beatnik. I tried to be, you know, a symbolist and romantic. I mean, all these different things in poetry and literature. Like I tried to change my face so many times and it reminds me of C.S. Lewis's, you know, the, the thousand masks or faces that we wear or whatever. And I was tired of it. And, you know, I really, if this was God's gift, I wanted to be sure. And so I wanted her to know what she was, uh, falling in love with, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, maybe she wasn't falling in love on day one, but we're just going to go with that. And so I, uh, I put a test. So, our waitress comes up and, you know, although it's all you can eat, so you can go up to the buffet, they bring you your drinks. And I figure, you know, she's 21, I'm in my 30s, or she was like 24, I think, I was 31, and I asked her if she wanted to have some sake, and she never had sake, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I like cold nigori sake, so the unfiltered, you know, milky kind of looking sake, I'm not a fan of the hot stuff, although, you know, sometimes it's good, and, you know, it has its place, but I prefer sake nigori, and she was like, yeah, sure, I've never had it, and, uh, you know, uh, if you've ever had nigori unfiltered sake, you know that you have to shake it well before you open, right, and, and it's always served chilled. So the waitress brings the bottle and uh, she shows me the label and says, you know, is this the bottle that you uh, are looking for? And I said, yes, that's it. Very good. And I said, but before you open it, you know, because I didn't know how savvy she was. So I asked her, could you please shake it? And so, you know, she starts doing the shake where the bottom, like a clock pendulum going very quickly, goes left and right, tick tock, tick tock. And I asked her, you know what? No, um, I told her that's, that's not actually going to be good enough. Could you shake it up and down? And so, you know, she had the hand around the neck of the bottle and she starts to shake it up and down. And I asked her, well, actually, you know, it, it would really help if you could put your other hand underneath the base of the bottle while your other hand is on the shaft of the bottle and you go in an up and down motion. And so she starts doing it. And I give this kind of look to my, you know, not wife at the time, but kind of gave her one of those devilish looks like, huh? Huh? Isn't that funny? Look what I'm making this girl do. And she blushed, man, so much. And, you know, obviously the girl stopped shaking the bottle and she said, is that fine? And, you know, I wasn't going to push it over uh, the limit too much. And so, you know, that was the end of that story. But, you know, 
she needed to know I'm a funny, sarcastic person. If there is a line, like my friends will say, I will take a pole vault and go as far as I can across the other side just to push limits sometimes, you know, because that's who I am. I'm the devil's advocate at times. And so uh, she knew instantly. And the fact that she laughed, you know, and was a little embarrassed uh, and that she was still cool with it and still thinking about me a week later to uh, take me out to breakfast, I thought, you know, this might be it. This might be the girl. And I was right. And she's incredible. And I just want to say that, uh, you know, the Lord heard my prayer and apparently didn't want me to be a debauched degenerate. I don't think maybe that was ever the plan. But, you know, maybe sometimes you're broken down by life so that when you are finally given that fresh glass of water, you really learn to appreciate it. And so, you know, I mean, again, I don't know what a hundred relationships before I met my wife means as to how much I had to correct in order to be worthy of her. But, you know, as the Rascal Flats will say, and I'll end it with this, thank God for the broken road that led me here to you, baby. Have a wonderful week, guys. Thank you for sharing some time with me. Uh, smash that subscribe button, share me with a friend, like, leave a review, all those wonderful things. Pachos, chachos for life. I'll see you next week.